0: Hello and welcome to this week's Somerset Emotional Wellbeing podcast. Uh, I'm Dr Peter Bagshaw, uh, GP, and I'm uh, joined today by my friend and colleague.
1: Dr Kate Staveley, also a GP and a lead for women and children.
0: And today we're be delighted to be joined by two guests, uh, Isabel and Son. So do you want to introduce yourselves and, and what you do and tell us a bit about I believe we're going to talk about allyship, which I know nothing about. So tell us a little bit about yourselves.
2: My name is Isabel Clements. I'm the Chief People Officer for Somerset NHS Foundation Trust. So I'm an executive member of the board here at Trust and have overall accountability for inclusion, um, a, a, a diversity and, and everything that sort of encompasses that, which is where allyship sits very firmly and of course includes leadership. So have got uh, a deep personal interest um, in this work, but also that of supporting um, the organization to progress around uh, allyship and inclusion and difference and the diversity.
3: Hello, my name is Sandra Jackson. Um, I'm inclusion lead at Somerset NHS Foundation Trust. I also hold the national role, which is the chief nurse officer and chief midwifery officer's BME SAG lead for the Southwest. Um, As my day job as an inclusion lead, allyship is very core. So um, I'm working with Bell. is very privileged and promoting allyship. So I'm really grateful to be here.
0: Lovely to have you both here. I know nothing about allyship. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is, what the ideas are behind it?
2: Okay, yes. So, of course, so allyship to me it means. I think it. I've been running some allyship uh, sessions with Sun, which has been a delight, um, both within uh, people services but also out in in our organisation. And it's really interesting to uh, to establish that actually. A lot of people don't know what allyship is. And indeed, there is no one real definition. There is no one real where you can look it up. It gives, it provides, you know, different things. To me, there's something about how I personally am able to draw alongside and walk with and in all of my colleagues' shoes. So to really... Really understand the experience that they have whilst working in our organization, but also then to consider how I, as a white British woman, can provide support and empowerment to all of those individuals. So that's I guess what I think of allyship in in my way, but my definition would probably be different to others, Pisa.
0: Done. What's your take on allyship
3: i i agree with bell i think allyship means is all different by person to person so if i ask you peter and kate what do you think allyship means do you think just be honest what do you think So my
1: my thought around allyship was it was um, a way that people supported minority groups using the position of perhaps leadership or power that they have, but to support those minority groups. So so going alongside. So my understanding was if you you don't have to have gone through an experience to be able to support somebody else with that experience. Is
3: that am I correct in that? Or yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing. What about Peter?
0: Yes, I I think to me the concept of ally is. Uh, somebody who helps somebody in their aims so it's a bit different from friendship but I yeah to me it it also includes empathy and walking in their shoes and understanding their position
3: yeah absolutely yeah so all of you guys actually sharing it you know definition of allyship I'm sure all depends on person to person and of course, my definition of allyship is somebody really actively ongoing like commitment and supporting, advocate for others, especially the marginalized community and with their shoes. And they using actually their privilege to support amplify their voice. I think that's allyship and it's just a life ongoing thing commitment you know you can't be just ally for this month and next month i'm busy so i can't do it it's not like that you know allyship should be just constantly you need to work on it and improve it i think that's for me is allyship
1: and we, we see a lot of um people supporting other groups in and social media in particular where you get um on instagram you get likes for expressing a desire to help a certain group of people is that allyship or is that something different
3: what do you think? Do you well, think it's allyship on
1: not? To me, it, it it's so the person who is trying to show support is actually trying to get something out of it for themselves.
3: So is that allyship or not? Well, can I ask you, Peter and Bell, do you think it's allyship?
0: I I think I'd share Kate's scepticism that very often there's a, a lot of um, virtue signaling going on on social media and, and maybe I wouldn't take everything at face value. But maybe that's just the cynic in me. What do you let, let me throw it back to our experts? Isabel, well, what about you?
2: Bless you. Well, you're very kind to call me an expert, but I certainly don't see myself as an expert. I see myself as a learner in this space, um, Peter. And um, I don't think, I don't think that is really allyship, although I take, I take Sun's point about, you know, it comes in many forms, but I think a sort of a like and a tick isn't adequate. It is simply not adequate. And certainly in the workplace, my expectation of myself And my expectation of others is is absolutely the real deep, deep um, spending time getting really understanding people's experience and a real commitment to work with them and empower them, of course, not disempower, but empower them to share their stories, to raise their concerns, to um, really understand their experience and, if possible, do additional things to help support those individuals going forward, so I think I'm with you on yeah the like I don't I don't think that's allyship. Yeah,
3: yeah, I think that we have to actually mind of the character of allyship. Real ally don't never ever take the credit over what they done. So allies actually really background work. So for example what happened to me was that when I really need ally, when I was really stuck in Somerset, I didn't know where to go, what to do. There was person, now I can call as ally, really helped me. I remember this person come in the morning and get me out and then really until I progressed, this person really helped me with it going above and beyond. Her day off, she really helped me to go through. When I finally achieved that one, everyone said that, you know, she helped that. She said, no, it wasn't. I didn't help. I just guide her. It's all her jobs. She never, ever took the credit. So all the behind work. And actually, they are happy for that because it's right thing to do. I think for me, personally, real allies is someone really background work. But actually, they never take credit.
1: And are there certain groups of people who are more in need of allyship than others?
3: What do you think, Peter and Bell.
0: <laughs> well as Do you, you know so? my interest is in mental health dementia learning disability so absolutely to me all those groups need uh advocates uh, who can speak for them because they're on the whole a disempowered group so yeah i absolutely uh feel that what about what about others
2: Yes, I would, I would agree, uh, son, Peter, okay. And um, I think there are certain, increasingly, though, um, it goes beyond just the sort of protected characteristic groups, it goes, it's much more far, far reaching when I talk colleagues in the organization who have only been here a short amount of time. Um, I see individuals there that need um, advocacy, they need support, they need allyship, they need help. Um, and and indeed, from colleagues at the other end of the spectrum that perhaps have been in the organization for a long, long time. So it's, I started at the beginning of this by saying, um, you know, this is about all colleagues or colleagues in Somerset Foundation Trust. And I try not to say, well, they need me more than those and they need me more than those. I try to say they all need my support and my allyship. And if we're all working in that way um, and it's a complete and utter commitment, you know, uh, right here, right now, then we will start to see a shift and a change and empowering those individuals to speak up, to feel confident, to feel that they belong in our organisation.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, um unfortunately, everyone, of course, everyone really needs allies and we can actually be ally as well. But unfortunately, we all know and data show if you are um if you have a prot- protective characteristic, it's more likely we are vulnerable. If you are actually black or Asian stuff in the NHS, the data show you are actually more vulnerable to the bullying harassment. Um, if you have a disability, there is also data show that we are more vulnerable. So, for example, also culture. For example, when I came to Somerset 17 years ago, um, my culture is I don't want to challenge people. I think it's quite rude. You know, I'm just here. Um, I want to settle this life in here. I want to be part of this community. I want people to all like me. I don't want any rejection. But when COVID hitting Somerset, when COVID hit the you know, in, you know, at NHS, um, that time I had a lot of um, comments by the member public. When I go to the supermarket, when I go somewhere, people think because of my look, you know, she come from maybe China or some Asian country. So she might be brought coronavirus. We should be careful, make a joke. I didn't know what to say because I didn't want to challenge. I, I was upset, but no one could do that anything for me. But at the time, one of the person, he doesn't know me. He never met me, but he stood up for me. He was in the supermarket. He was just shopping. It was easy just to walk away, but he was actually challenging this behavior, Say, you, you know, you should apologize to this lady. I heard what you mentioned about this lady. This is not acceptable. You should apologize to her. He actually check on me. For me, at the, at the moment, he was my biggest ally. He doesn't get any benefit from it, but he did that. But at the time, I was most vulnerable person in, in my family because, you know, I was just Asian. There was all, you know, I got the comment because purely I look different from people.
1: That, that's very difficult to hear, isn't it? To, to think that in our society, people behave like that. And, and we see these overt um, bullying behaviors from people but also that there's a lot of microaggressions going on isn't there a lot of behaviors go under the radar if people want to be allies how how should we be responding to those
3: what do you think <laughs> sorry i just keep i mean this is be conversation so yeah nobody's expert so what do you think what should we do that
2: peter bell kate I think some of it, I think it's a really good, a really good reflection. And thank you, Sun, for sharing your story. I've heard that story before. Every time I hear it, you know, it, it it catches me here. But with regards to microaggressions, I just talk about sort of what are they? I think one of the areas that I'm, we've been doing quite a bit of work on, um, and Sun's led a lot of this, is around colleagues speaking in their own language whilst in work so um, perhaps on a ward area or in a department um, speaking in their own language because that's frankly easier for them Um, and there's been real there's been really real debate and discussion within the organization around well, is that right? And should we let that happen? And should there be a policy? And should there be a rule? Now, I don't know if that's a microaggression. I guess it. I guess it could be, um, but it's really tested us as an organisation to think about what. Um, how do we support our colleagues that English isn't their first language? in their ability to do their job and do their job well. And my goodness me, it's taken some time, hasn't it, son, to to work that through. We're still working some of that through. The one thing that I heard, though, from our colleagues, when because a lot of this needs talking through, it needs discussion, it needs time, um, you know, it, it really needs nurturing, is that actually, for our colleagues that English isn't their first language, it is really, really hard work to be speaking in English all day long particularly in a ward area. And so enabling individuals to speak in their native language uh, as appropriate is almost respite for those individuals. Um, and and it, it wasn't until I heard some of those stories that I thought, goodness me, you know, years ago, I might well have been absolutely the one that would have been developing policies and developing quick FAQs, et cetera. But that really struck me as what are we doing to these to these to our colleagues to these individuals and how do we really support them in a society where there will be a set of expectations so that's just one reflection
0: that's that's really fascinating to hear and again i'm i'm sorry to hear your your story son uh thank you very much for for sharing and being so open so you talked about sort of policies and and procedures and so on i mean is allyship about having those correct procedures or is it about a a mindset or both
3: um it should be both but i think that our intention is very important in the allyship um intention always this is the right thing to do and support and i always think some of the of course i teach allyship i promote allyship but i'm a human some point outside of work, I sometimes just want to walk away with my children. I just want to walk away because it's easier. But I always think, if this happened to me, do I need Allah in this scenario? Do I really need to just ignore? Am I just doing the right choice? So it's the constant choice of my intention. There is always a really strong mindset. So I must say, I'm not perfect. I'm still learning. And sometimes, I also needed to really educate myself. For example, I just went to Korea last, last month. In Korea, I'm on holiday. Nobody knows I'm an inclusion lead. Nobody knows I'm a nurse. This scenario, somebody's experienced some, some difficulty. And for me, it was easier to just walk away because I got, I'm just meeting my friends. And I always think, if it's me, do I need to align this moment? So I think mindset is most important, but right policy, I think it will help because unfortunately um, not everybody really maybe want to be alive because it's quite hard. You know, our day by day job is very hard. Do I need to do going above and beyond and work hard for this? Because it's a lot of energy, your mind, you know, a lot of your energy is going in. So if we have policy to support it, I think that will help.
2: Yeah I Peter I would uh, thank sun um, I would um, I would agree with sun entirely I think it's intent I think it's leadership I think it's setting the tone culture and then the policy policy shouldn't come first but of course having a policy arrangements in place that guide colleagues I think is really helpful
1: do you think there's a danger, though, if this becomes about policy, that fee- people will feel they're being forced into allyship and therefore having to accept people that they see as others? And I'm thinking of this as patients as well as as staff, rather than... Looking at the drivers that cause people to behave in this way, which is usually fear, isn't it? And when, and when you look at the the, the language issue, the re- the reason people don't like hearing people speaking in their native language is that they fear that they're talking about them, and that somehow they're missing out. And and so on. So what can we do to try and to try and make this less frightening, so people want to be allies, so they feel. So they don't other people in other groups, so they feel part of everybody. Um, Because what you're talking about is staff groups, which is interesting. But I think we can extend this to patients, can't we? Because we tend to, a lot of our patients need allies because they have different needs.
2: Certainly from, um, I'll, I'll perhaps look to Sun with regards to our patients, Group. Certainly within our colleague groups, I think there's something absolutely very key around role modelling, which is why the chief executive, myself and other executives are are um, delivering allyship training with Sun and with others to really, really, um, I guess, give it the priority and the focus that it needs, but also to demonstrate to colleagues that actually we are taking this seriously and we're taking educating ourselves seriously and actually this is what we you know would look for and would want from our colleagues within our organisation. Um and certainly some of the conversations I've had in the training has been about the shape and the 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 sort of it is the it's the shape of our organisation over the last few years has changed so so much that the way we always did things, Kate, the way we always approached things, actually how fit for purpose is it when we work in an organisation now where we have got such a diverse group of colleagues that work with us. And so old ways aren't fit for purpose, but it's about education, it's about guidance. And you're right, the the whole policy stick approach I don't think is the right approach. That might be further down the line, but initially there's definitely something about educating self and then then working with teams, et cetera, to to advise and to to guide. I think our patient population is, is quite another really another challenge for us um, here within Somerset, um, because we do have a significant amount of discrimination from our patients, uh, probably microaggressions and aggression. Um, We see that through our data. We follow a lot of that up now through the governance arrangements within our service groups, but it is an ongoing challenge. And to me, there's also something about
1: how do we use allyship when we're doing co-production, when we're trying to co-produce work around patient cohorts. One of my main interests is in neurodiversity. Um, And as a group, I think people with neurodiversity have a very difficult time and are very much in need of allies. So. I'm thinking more a reflection that maybe as an organization, it's great that we're looking at allyship for our staff. And I think it's very important. But perhaps we need to extend these concepts to how we use what we've learned in other groups. And what do you feel, Sun?
3: Yeah, I agree with Belle. Um, staff, we are, I think sharing stories is quite important, but actually before, we sh- we can't expect people to teach you to be an ally, everybody has to own, because people can say, son, please share your story so I can be your ally. No, actually, if you really want to be good ally, there are loads of books, there are loads of resources you can learn yourself and come back to me. I read this book, son, anything I can do to be helped, to be better ally, it's different story, then I can really support patient group. That's why I'm doing this podcast. i sharing some of the story to my daughter's school. Um, I think it's very important to be educate very young age. So when i talking about NHS job, I always promote ally and microaggression how it's quite difficult to um, living in some of the minority. And that's why I published an article because I sent this article and that's how I joined the Staff governor group, and governors It's so fortunate. I meet a lot of um, patient-side governor, and I actually promote ally. They, they are ready to listen. They really want to change with me. So I try my best to actually spread the word to whole Somerset because I know our Somerset NHS Foundation trusts our best to, to really want to change the culture. But until whole Somerset know about the importance of allyship, our culture wouldn't shift so much. So I think it's very important. Everyone should own a little bit of allyship.
0: That sounds absolutely fantastic advice. I'm delighted to hear that. While we're on the subject of difficulties and, and blockages, can I can I raise something that's potentially quite controversial? So some people might be put off being an ally. To uh, someone who appears to be in a, a weaker position, because they'd be afraid of being accused of of social appropriation, and that that's quite a, a hot topic and a controversial topic, isn't it? What would you like to say about that?
3: I think it's yeah dif- yeah you're right. It's difficult, and especially our um, white British colleagues, sometimes difficult because they don't want to seen as a white savior while they don't want to make any mistake. It's quite difficult topic. They, although they really want to open up, they want to learn, they have to have some difficult conversation. I really want to learn. They have to show some vulnerability. But that's actually ally. That's why allyship is so difficult. That's why ally everyone can be the ally. It's good to say I want to be ally. But actually, there is some step we have to actually follow, which we have to show our vulnerability. But when you think about it, um, sometimes when it's easy to walk away, it's easy. But is that actually better? You just open up and I want to learn, but I might make a mistake and I'm bit be- worry about it. But I still think it's right thing to do. I read this book and I want to support you. How I can learn about you and how I can support you because I really want to feel part of this community. I want to feel included because you are a very important person. We are a very valuable member in our trust. Is it better to just say, sharing your, you know, what you're afraid of, but rather than just walk away, don't talk about it. But my experience is, there are always learning points. Some people are quite upset sometimes. And I sometimes make a mistake. Some word English is my second language. So I can't always say the right word. I always make a mistake, but it's okay to make a mistake. You can get a feedback. You can learn from it and you can be better ally rather than ignoring walk away because it's easier for everyone.
0: Do the brave thing.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Isabel, anything you want to add?
2: well I I think I think Sun covered it beautifully Uh, you know absolutely beautifully Um, and just to reiterate and pull out her points you know every single member of staff is is you know we have spent time energy and effort as have they to join our organisation and so it is only right and proper that we um, support those individuals in the best possible way we can and and you're right Sun it is easy to walk away and to ignore or step away but actually I think a lot more people are now turning into um really recognizing the importance of allyship advocacy and support for individuals so yeah it would be um i i think peter there's a there's a lot peter and i did quite sorry my chief executive peter lewis and i uh, did some work with Sun over the pandemic around um ethnic minorities and risk assessments and um we were really applauded for that but not before we were also criticized for it (laughs) and we had to be brave we had to be brave we had to stand our ground because it was the right thing to do
3: yeah yeah it's i think it's very important i just want to make sure just before the finish or i don't know how many minutes we got um allies the constant learning journey There is no perfect ally so it's always very important you ask some feedback. Have I done right? It's not just to say, am I doing good? It's not just insecurity, just have I done right? Next time it happens, what can I do for you? Should I uh, step up and then support you directly? Or should I take it behind? So, allyship is a constant learning journey. And, you know, you need to get a feedback. And do you know how you become a good ally? You will get the feedback you will definitely get a feedback. I'm sure Isabel also got feedback. Someone, you, someone, people think you you are a good ally, they'll always give you feedback. Thank you so much. You are the one actually support me and then I'm here because of your support.
0: Brilliant. And we are running out of time, unfortunately, but that's a fantastic uh, message to leave uh, with our listeners, uh, along with being brave and taking chances. Um, Kate and Isabel, any any last words from you?
1: Yeah, I think what I'll take home from this conversation. Sorry, I jumped in there, Belle. Um is the the difference between being an ally and making a noise about being an ally and pretending that you're being an ally. I think I, I think that's very interesting is is to to reflect on why why you're supporting someone. Are you doing it for their benefit or you're doing it for your own benefit? And I think that's a Quite an interesting place to start, and I think a lot of the other issues we've discussed would go away if you if you have that first
2: consideration. Mm, I like that, Kate. Um, I, I I would agree. I think we've got a huge amount to do uh, here at Somerset NHS Foundation Trust around uh, in this in this space to ensure that all colleagues feel that they belong in our organisation, and we're not there. Um, and this is a constant and evolving journey. Um, uh, in the chat there's an ask about how can people get more involved well of course people can reach out to Sun. they can reach out to why there are many many books that people can read people can um as i say reach out and be involved in the work that we're doing um, here um for me the biggest the biggest lesson is how is that i'm on a constant learning journey you know I get, there's something about being an executive and getting it right and as an executive in this space, you don't always get it right. And you have to be vulnerable. You have to role model that vulnerability. And I think it's a new leadership competency, leadership skill that not everybody has uh, been able, has, has got uh, as yet. And so people, because they are frightened, and I think you made that point earlier, Kate, they won't get into some of the great work that they could do around allyship.
0: So I think if we can sum it up and uh, all the resources you mentioned uh, will be on the show notes, of course. Uh, from Kate, we've got be authentic. Uh, son, we've got be brave, take chances. Belle, we've probably got be humble and realize we're still learning. And if we can do all of those things, then hopefully it will make life better for for us and the people around us. Thank you very much all today and go well, listeners. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. The show was hosted by our team of doctors, including Dr. Andrew Tricida, Dr. Peter Bagshaw, and Dr. Sarah Coop. The show was produced by Rob Holmes Music on
2: behalf of the NHS Somerset Integrated Care Board.